another little short uh, recording on the Antarctica. And as we've spoken of different expeditions and bases and people and involvements and phenomenons that we associate with Antarctica and why it's become a relevant point when it comes to climate change, I would not want to forget talking about an expedition that happened this year. And very specifically, I'm happy to, to tell you, I actually knew about it before they left. I remember when they were talking about getting out there. And I remember when they decided that they would go through with it and so forth. And this is the, the, the expedition of three people whose names you may recognize. The wildlife photographer, Grégory Lecoeur. The free diver, uh, Guillaume Neri, whom you may have uh, recognized on TV as he's promoting a, a drink. And there's a third one called Florian Fischer, who's actually the uh, cameraman. Filmmaker, I think, is much better on this case because they all know how to handle cameras on, in this team. And as um, as they decided to embark on this expedition to the Antarctica, they shared that trip with everyone through their different creative outlets. And if you were or if you are on social media, go ahead and tap their names and look for their Antarctica expedition. I think. One of the things that we take for granted, and although you can take a phone nowadays and just take pictures and GPS and geolocate yourself relatively quickly, Mother Nature has a way of reminding us of uh, our vulnerability. And it, it starts, because uh, I remember following him and uh, talking to Gregory before he would uh, leave. And they're in Ushuaia, uh, at the tip of Argentina. If you get to Argentina, you go all the way down on the map. And that's the last earth bit before you cross the Drake Passage, a name you may have heard, after which you reach the Sea of Vedel, and then you get to Antarctica. And that's the quick of it. But just like in the older days, <laughs> They had to spend two weeks waiting for a weather window that would allow them to cross that passage. Eventually they did. But we talk about rough seas. We talk about serious, as you would say, serious weather. This is not a dinghy affair. I remember when they were preparing for the trip, um, a friend of mine, uh, a sailor actually, saw the boat that they were embarking on and he said, well, they better have a good captain. <laughs> and uh, I think what, what he meant by that was, okay, there's nothing wrong with this boat. But unless you're very, very experienced, this boat, things could go wrong very quickly. And uh, it turns out this was the last trip of this captain. I think the name was Alain. And uh, he just carried out the, the uh, expedition marvelously. And yes, his knowledge and know-how of the area definitely allowed for the expedition to happen without anyone uh, staying behind uh, in any way, short or form. And as they, but as they, they do recount this this trip. And after two weeks of waiting, and then a serious period of rough seas, and probably felt like never ending, um, they suddenly awaken to a floating iceberg. And the way they talk about 
certainly this encountering with the floating iceberg, which is all documented on, on photos and so forth, it seems as if time just stopped and the world opened up. Uh, sort of the calm after the storm rather than before the storm. And all magic started. That end of the world had happened. And they were reaching, oh, they were already in the Sea of Vettel. Now, the Sea of Vettel, uh, that name may be familiar for different reasons. One, because of the Vettel penguins. Uh, and also because the Sea of Vettel famously, uh, if you remember one of the previous explorers, Shackleton, um, on one of his expeditions, he actually had his ship get caught in the ice to the point where eventually they couldn't move the ship and the ice crushed it. The name of that ship was the Endurance, something you can look into and, and enjoy as it makes for riveting stories. And um, Shackleton is one of the great explorers that is still quoted uh, when it comes to great, great exploration, um, the Antarctic, and many other things, but mainly for the ability to keep all his men and his team alive which is not a minor feat. And when it comes to when people start talking about exploration, they often mention, if you want a good exploration to be done, you know, like clockwork and uh, to, to carry out the exploration in a sort of precise and perfect way, go with Amundsen. Uh, if you want the thrill of the dare and so forth, go with Captain Scott. But if all else fails on your exploration and you've got no hope whatsoever, fall on your knees and start praying that God sends you Shackleton to your rescue. That's the expression. Now, you may have heard it. Now, hopefully I didn't chew it up too much there. But um, uh, butcher it up too much, sorry. But in this case, uh, there was no need for Shackleton. They had a, a great experience. And as they get there, as they got to Antarctica, and uh, the coast and so forth, they uh, did not have to wait too long for Mother Nature to share all the good things. And uh, they saw different types of penguins, which I can talk about in another recording. But you would expect the Vedil penguin, the, the, um, the Yangu. And as we do that, um, sorry, the Gentoo, um, but as that happens, uh, they spent a lot of time uh, watching also crab eaters and more interestingly, the leopard seal. And the reason for that is, one, you need a certain amount of luck and you need the know-how. Although it's the top of the food chain, the leopard seals, um, there's still little that is known about them. And it makes it difficult to, to, to study because they tend to be sort of uh, reserved and if you arrive sort of in a, in, a, in a group or with a team or with a crew they will quickly just jump out and jump into the water. So uh, what, what has to be done is that they have to be engaged in a specific manner sort of one person jumps into their, their territory so forth and doesn't feel as invasive and so forth. So, so that's that was probably, I think, probably as much as they enjoyed everything, they seem to have uh, loved that bit a bit more and they felt very privileged to it about it, about that experience and encounter. And um, all kinds of other moments. But I think the incredible differences of light 
captured their attention. And the incredible ability to be swimming right next to icebergs underwater. I mean, that's a very, very, very uh, privileged and vulnerable feeling, I would imagine. I mean, there's not much around you. And uh, there's, a, there's a feeling that I think you can only experience as a diver, as a lover of nature. And it takes an incredible, incredible amount of vulnerability, I think, to be able to, to experience that and uh, come out and, and not become a, a changed person. I think all these three members of the team are probably grown people in the sense of they've grown throughout this experience. So, rather than me rambling on, yes, please, um, do yourself a favor, as I always say, and go to social media and look for the work of Guillaume Neri, Greg Lecoeur, and Florian Fisher, who also goes by Behind the Mask. Until the next recording, this was an expedition that went well, and where luck struck preparation and so forth. Luck met preparation, and um, where all their observations were well captured and shared with a few magazines already. I would imagine more will come back, and their passion and their interest will lead to further documentaries and uh, probably books and so forth. And uh, keep in mind here, as trained as they are, it's an exercise that's driven by passion. A lot of passion. Genuine passion. And that's what drives them. And uh, I look forward to see what other expedition they embark on. And um, if I find enough, I'll share it with you. Until the next recording, all the best. And this captures this, the feeling of expedition and exploration in a way that I think is still very exciting. A small boat in the wilderness where you're hoping nothing goes wrong because as good as your GPS is, contrary to about a hundred years ago where there was no GPS and the last port you left was your only reference, which means that you were three weeks away from any information or giving any information, roughly speaking. Today with the GPS, you could send a message and you could say exactly where you are. And by the time any rescue would come, uh, they'd be lucky if they find your phone. Uh, just that's how big it is. All right. Until the next recording, do yourself a favor. Go Google, look on social media for the three names I just give you. All the best until the next recording.